0: It always is a pleasure and a privilege to come to God's favorite house and truly this is God's favorite house. So it's a privilege to be a part of God's favorite house. I don't take this lightly and um, I thank God for the new work that the Lord is doing in Cape Town and I believe that as God's favorite house is always in the vanguard of that which God wants to do. So, I believe that there is something that God wants to do in South Africa and God's favorite house is a part of it. And, you know, Pastor Fermi is always on the cutting edge. So, we will we'll all line up as it is. <laughs> we give God the glory. I bring you greetings from Mercy Place and I just want to say thank you for the privilege and tonight, We'll be looking at a, so we'll begin a series just over the next, uh, three messages, uh, that is called wisdom for strategy. We're going to look at the first part tonight. My prayer is that the Lord will help all of us to walk and learn together as we get ready. And I'm so excited that the next series that you're going to be dealing with is stepping up. It's amazing. God just has a way of working together. And when the gentleman talked about grace, I was so proud because that is one area that I have come to appreciate. And I don't know whether you know this and go Yes, it seems that saved by grace alone. This is my one plea. Jesus died for all mankind and he died for me too. And it's really means the grace of God. And truly all of us were the beneficiaries of the grace of God. And tonight I pray that the grace of God will be mighty upon us tonight as we share together. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you and we bless you. We give you the praise, we give you the glory, we give you the honor and adoration. Thank you, almighty God, for the privilege of bringing your word. Thank you for your people that have come. I pray, my Father, and my God, that tonight you will help us all to learn at your feet. That, Lord, your word will minister to our hearts. We will hear as we shall hear. We will see as we shall see. The eyes of our understanding shall be enlightened and our hearts shall receive revelation. That, Lord, as we go forward, as we will be preparing to step up, the wisdom and the strategy that we will need to be able to carry, the burden and the responsibilities of that higher place you release into our lives even from tonight and forever in Jesus mighty name we pray. Thank you heavenly father in Jesus precious name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. (laughs) Thank you very much. So richly blessed. In Luke 16 verse 8 Jesus said that the children of of this world are much more wiser. Let me read it. It says, and the Lord commended the unjust world." It's a story that we all know very well. And it's one that puzzles so many of us. That is it that Jesus is encouraging unrighteousness? Rather, to the contrary. The second part of it is really what we are concerned with. He said, for the children of this world are in their generation wiser than the children of light. The children of this world are wiser in their generation than the children of light. The New Living Translation says they are more shrewd than the children of light. The Amplified Version says they are shrewder, they are more prudent, and they are wiser. The Message Version if you have that. A message version. Yes. It says, now, here's a surprise. It says, and why? Because he knew how to look after himself. Now, the part we want look is this. Street wise people are smarter in this regard than law-abiding citizens. They are on constant alert, looking for angles, surviving by their wits. The Lord bless the reading of his word. This provides a background for the teaching that we're going to do which is largely taken from 1 Kings chapter 2 from verse 1 to the end. But why are we looking at this? As Christians, God is preparing to take us to another level. That's why I was so excited when the next series we are going to do was stepping up. God wants to take us to another level. A level that we will work in dominion and authority. God is raising a people that will rule until it comes. God is raising a people that will understand that they are kings and they are priests and will exercise and will that authority on behalf of Christ. A people that will come up higher. A people that will understand that God wants to give us the nations. God says we are in this world. Jesus said we are in this world, but not of this world. But the crucial thing is that at this higher level that God wants to take us, at this level that we're stepping up to, the level of contention and the people that we're with there is of a much more subtle but with a greater consequence than either two we have dealt with. At the level of dominion and leadership, the contention takes on a different dimension. And therefore, the children of God, the children of light, need to understand how the street works, how the people of the world think, and how they can have dominion over them. The reality of life is that we can't wish away the world. (laughs) We are in this world, only that we are not of this world. But the tragedy of our issue as Christians is that the world has been taking advantage of us for too long. Why? Because we Christians do not understand the wisdom of God in how to deal with the world and therefore the world takes advantage of us and the truth is that we spiritualize so much every issue that we miss out on the wisdom of God and the fullness of that which God wants for us we the children of God are supposed to have the Holy Spirit abiding in us the fullness of the spirit of God the spirit of wisdom and understanding the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. Yet, and tragically, and unfortunately, we have abdicated that place of authority and dominion and insight that God has ordained for us. The reality is that the adversaries that we are facing and we will be facing at this higher level of dominion are much, much more shrewder. They are much more cunning and they are much more dangerous. And therefore, Jesus was telling us here that by implication, what it says is that the children of darkness are much more shrewder. They are wiser in how they deal with their kind and the world than the children of light. Jesus says, I send you out as sheep amongst wolves. He says, be wise as serpents and be gentle as doves. What happens if a dove meets with a serpent? Or if a sheep were to meet with a wolf, it will be eaten. And so Jesus says, when you're going to meet with serpents, you need to know how the serpent thinks, operates and works. So that with the spirit of God in you, you'll be able to overcome him. You cannot not expected to go to the serpent as a dove. You are to go to Christians as yourself, as doves. But when you are dealing with the world, you must understand how the world thinks, how they work, and how... And the only way we can do this is by having a dependency on the Lord. God is calling us to a season and a time of wisdom by God. We said this level, you and I need a higher level of dependency on the Spirit of God and on the wisdom of God. You and I need to come up to the level of understanding the need for strategy in our dealings with the world. The reality is that the enemy is much more strategic than we, the children of light. And that's why Christ was saying, you gentlemen, you children of God, you need to come up higher. You need to begin to know how to deal with the world. The reality of life is that unless you and I begin to have an understanding of how to deal with the world, the world will always be having an advantage over us. And we are always questioning Lord, this is your word. You say we'll be head and not till above only and not beneath. You raise us up. Yet, how come we can't maintain that? How come it is a world that seems to be having all the authority, all the influence, and all the power to affect the life of the children of God? And that is a question that I would like you to, to consider and to ponder. How come? The reason is simple. You and I have abdicated our authority and our inherent God-given ability to learn from the spirit of God on how to counteract the wiles of the enemy. By the grace of God, I'm hoping that through this, we'll be able to glean and to understand certain principles in how we need to work. The reason is that God's desire, God's word has gone out. God has already seen us in those places but how to enter in is our responsibility. Unfortunately, what we find in the kingdom of God is that the children of God are trying to meet the enemy and to counter the enemy with the wisdom of the world. (laughs) The truth is you will always come short The reason is that they get to a stage where you can't go further because of the limitation of the spirit of God inside of you. But they don't have any qualms. They don't have any constraints. It is the end that justifies the means. But you and I know that with God, the means are as important as the end. So for as long as you and I don't know how to deal and how to work with the world and how to overcome the world, you and I will always come short my prayer is that the lord will help us to come out of that failure in the name of jesus the earthly wisdom and worldly wisdom you will see that in james three thirteen to 17 god says i don't want you to follow earthly wisdom i rather want you to follow the wisdom of god Bible tells us that wisdom is the principal thing and we ought to get wisdom and with all our getting, we should get understanding, Proverbs 4, 5, and 7. This, I believe God is calling us to a higher level of relationship, a time of circumspection and a time of discernment. This will be very crucial for us to enter into that higher level that we're stepping up to. And the Lord will make us enter in the name of Jesus. And the one of the first thing we need to understand right away is that we cannot afford emotional judgment and emotional decisions. God has emotions but God doesn't make emotional decisions. And we are children of God. We must learn how to separate our emotions and to learn the principles of wisdom to deal with the world. God is looking for a people who will take the rule in dominion. A people that will exercise his authority. What are the requirements for such people? It is that such people must be willing to yield to the wisdom of God. Such people must be willing to receive the wisdom for the strategy to adopt for success. In other words, you and I cannot afford to rely on our own understanding. We must learn to yield to the spirit of God. And so, that offers us a background to the theme wisdom for strength. So, the second text really is the whole of 1 Kings 2 from beginning to the end with this Luke 16 8 as a backdrop. I would like for you when you get home tonight to read the whole of this and even um, chapter 1 so that by the time we're taking the second part and everything tomorrow we'll be able to have better understanding. Now, In chapter 3 of 1 Kings, we see Solomon's encounter with the Lord. And Solomon had an encounter with the Lord. The Lord gave him a blank check. And Solomon asked for wisdom. And God said, since you have not asked for money, for victory over your enemies and so on, I am going to give you even the things that you have not asked for. And we all know the rest of the story. And so the question and the challenge first is, how did Solomon know? That he should ask for wisdom. If you read that passage, you will see God says, since you did not ask for this, you didn't ask for this, he didn't ask for that. Which means if you had asked for any of those things, they were legitimate. And they would have been okay. But there was something beyond just the legitimate needs. And that, the Bible says, and the thing that he asked pleased the Lord. And the Lord now gave him so much more. The reason tonight, and that's what I want us to look at is... Before he got to chapter 3, certain things had happened in chapters 1 and 2, particularly chapter 2, which prepared him to be able to make the right decision in chapter 3. And that is what we want to look at over this uh, course of teachings. Solomon got to the place of wisdom and we found that he arrived well the last verse of chapter two says that Solomon was established. It says, and the kingdom was established in the hand of Solomon. Right? Now, God wants us to take over the nations. How would we become established? Now, that verse forty-six was the last verse of chapter 2. And so we're going to look at chapter 2 and in the course of this we'll be looking at 5 relationships. The first that we're going to look at tonight is the relationship between David and Solomon. And that is from verses 1 to 10 of 1 Kings chapter 2. Next we will look at Solomon and Elijah which is from verses 12 to 25. After that, we will look at Solomon and Abiathar, verses 26 and 27, and then Solomon and Joab, verses 28 to 34. And then, last, if time permits, we'll get to it, we'll look at Solomon and Shimei, verses 36 to 46. And why we're going to look at it, and why this is important, is that the Lord says, I will overturn and overturn and overturn till it comes to him whose right it is. God has been overturning and the enemy has been taking the place that is meant for the children of God. How much longer will the Lord keep overturning till we his children are ready? That's a big question. Why is that important? I want you to read with me Second Kings verse 35. And the king put Benar, the son of Jehada in his room over the host. That is over in the position of Joab. And Zadok the priest did the king put in the room of Abiathar. What is the relevance of that to us is that God always has replacements. God always has replacements replacements. And that is why we can't be waiting for God can't be waiting on us forever. We need to step up. (laughs) Amazing. We need to step up again that we may enter into the fullness of that which the Lord has for us. And so we're looking at this. Romans 15 verse 4 says that all things that were written were for our learning. And so we need to learn from the scriptures, to be able to know what we ought to be doing. The truth is that verse 46 says, and the kingdom was established unto Solomon. Brethren, the reality of life is that there are steps that you and I must take as Christians, as children of God, for us to be established in that which God has ordained for us and that can only be by the wisdom of God through the Holy Spirit. The truth is that you and I may not be able to fulfill the glorious destiny and the purpose for which God created us unless we take certain steps that will cause us to be established. God intends to raise, is raising a people of influence. A people who will know how to deal with the world. A people who will be constantly seeking from the Lord the strategies for win the battle against the enemy. The truth is that if you don't take certain steps to be established, you will continue fighting and never get to the peace of being established. The reality is that the battles of the world don't finish, but certain battles need to be conquered for you to be established in that way God has ordained for you. And unless you take those steps, unless you accomplish those things, you and I will not be established in that way the Lord has for us. You will keep fighting battles to be established. To deal with the world, you and I, so that we can be established, you and I need to be completely dependent on God. The problems and the challenge that we have as Christians is that we don't know how to deal with the world. And some of the reasons for how and this are our failure that has not enabled us to be established, even though we have received the word of God, and we know that the word of God is forever settled, is because we fail to understand and to learn from the Holy Spirit the wisdom for the strategy to be established and to overcome the world. What's the relevance of this to us is that the word of God is meant to give us guidance and to give us the strategies to overcome the world. Second Timothy 3.16 talks about the scripture. That the scripture is given for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness, for guidance. And that is why you and I must understand. Without the word of God, you and I cannot enter into that which the Lord has for us. Now, the part that is quite going is the fact that We talk about the world so much. The reality of our days and our times is that inside the church of God, there are people that are worse than the world. In fact, for a lot of people, (laughs) the experience is worse than the things that the world will do. The more reason why we need to learn these strategies so that we know how to deal, even with those brethren who are wolves in sheep's clothing and the world. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. So, let's go to this first part, which is where we're going to be tonight. David and Solomon. Verses 1 to 10. Now, we're in. Now, the days of David drew nigh that he should die. And he charged Solomon his son, saying, I go the way of all the earth. Be thou strong therefore and show thyself a man. And keep the charge of the Lord thy God to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes and his commandments and his judgments and his testimonies. As it is written in the law of Moses that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest and whithersoever thou turnest thyself that the Lord may continue his word which is very concerning me, saying, if thy children take it to their way, to walk before me in truth with all their heart and with all their soul, they shall not fail thee, said he, a man on the throne of Israel. Verse 5. Moreover, thou knowest also what Joab the son of Zeruiah did to me, and what he did to the two captains of the hosts of Israel. Unto Abner, the son of Nah, and unto Amasa, the son of Jetha, whom he slew and shed the blood of war in peace and put the blood of war upon his girdle that was about his loins and his shoes that were on his feet. Do therefore according to thy wisdom and let not his holy head go down unto the grave in peace. Verse 7, but show kindness unto the sons of Basili the Gileadite, and let them be of those that hid at thy table. For so they came to me when I fled because of Absalom thy brother. And behold, that's with this Shimei, the son of Gera, a Benjamite of Bahurim, which cursed me with a grievous curse in the day when I went to Manahim. But he came down to meet me at Jordan, and I swear to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put it to death with his sword. Verse 9. Now therefore hold him not guiltless. For thou art a wise man and knowest what thou oughtest to do unto him. But his holy head bring thou down to the grave with blood. Verse 10. So David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. <laughs> the Lord bless the reading of his word. Brethren, what we see here was not unlike what Moses did with Joshua. He knew he was going. And so, what he did was he charged his son. As Moses charged Joshua, he charged Solomon. He gave him some things. And that contributed to preparing Solomon for how he entered the wisdom of God, how the kingdom was established unto him, and how in chapter 3, He was able to know what to ask of God. The reason was that following this charge by his father and the things that he did, he saw that walking in the wisdom of God and the strategies of God established a kingdom unto him. So that when God came and asked him, what will you have? He knew what he needed to ask. Brethren, you and I must enter into the wisdom of God in the name of Jesus. Brethren, that word from Pastor that you are going to step, it is from God. I didn't know what he was going to do. I was just coming to share. That is something that is burning in the heart of God. It's been overturning and overturning and overturning. And he's saying, You it is your right. When will you come to take your place? The reason is this the Bible says the prosperity of the fool will be his destruction if you and I get to the places of authority and dominion, the place that we're stepping up to and we lack the wisdom for strategy to deal that will be established in that place, it will be better that we don't get there. And that's why God has been overturning and overturning because he doesn't want to be destroyed. He says, he's saying that we don't have what it takes. We are praying for this thing. He's sent his word. We know that this is our right. But we can't enter in because we're not equipped for that level of battle. And God is saying you need to step up. You need to come up higher that you may enter into the place and you may be established. The Lord will give us and establish us in the name of Jesus. And so, why do we start from here? We're going to look at the various things. The take some principles from what we read in verses 1 to 10. The first is that, when we're asking how did Solomon know to ask for wisdom? First, number one, is that David must have always taught him about the importance and the place of wisdom. David must have always taught him about the importance and the place of of wisdom. How do we know this? He was telling him that you're a wise man. You walk in your wisdom. I'm trusting. I know that you will do what? How did he get there? Because he must have been teaching him. He must have observed the life of David. Must have observed how David employed wisdom in establishing himself and in working with God and therefore he could also walk in it. Second verse 36 that was said, he must have been teaching him about the importance of wisdom and the word of God. But how did he get there? Psalm 72. Which is number two. Number two is that you and I must continually pray for our children and submit them to God. Psalm 72. Can you come to Psalm. I want you to read Psalm 72 when you get home. Read the whole of it. In my Bible, it is titled, I don't know how it is in your Bible. What is the title of Psalm 72 in your Bible? Let me read what it says in my Bible. A prayer for the king. A psalm of David for Solomon. Everything there was praying for Solomon. Brethren, you and I, we, must, we can't afford to stop praying. We must continually keep praying for our children. Now, let me tell you, being, when we are talking about children, it's not just about physical children alone. It is about our dreams. It's about our aspiration, It's about God giving ideas and things that God wants to birth through us. Is that we must continually pray for those things and commit them into the hands of the Lord. <clears throat> Number three, is that our plans must be committed unto the Lord. Whatever it is, the thing that God wants for us, our dreams, our aspirations, must continually be committed unto the Lord by prayer. The reason is that the word of God, as we're told, is profitable for direction for instruction in righteousness, for reproof, for correction, that we may know how to work in every situation. Proverbs 3, 5 to 7 says, we must not lean on our own understanding. Like I said earlier, we must learn to yield to the spirit of God. The reason is simple. To achieve success, God's way, which is the next one, To achieve success God's way, you can only do it through the word of God. In other words, godly success can only come with God and in the ways of God. You can achieve success outside of God, the way the world calls success. But the true success that will last, that will endure, that the Bible talks about true prosperity, can only be achieved God's way, and so we see here David had talking to Solomon in verses three and four, saying, "You must follow the word of God." It says and keep the charge of the Lord your God to walk in His ways, to keep His statutes and His commandments and His judgments and His testimony, as written in love, that thou mayest prosper in all that thou doest and whithersoever thou turnest thyself. He says that look to achieve the success that God has ordained, that has spoken concerning me and my generations, you have to follow the ways of God. Brethren, the same way for you and I, outside of God, any success will end up in ashes. That success that I'm talking about is in quotes. Only godly success counts. Next one is that godly success can only be obtained and achieved by obedience. Brethren, Jesus said, they that love me are those that keep my commandments. He says, many will say unto me, Lord, in thy name we did this. He says, and I will say to them, I know you not depart from me, you workers of iniquity. He says, it's not all that says, Lord, that calls me, Lord, that are of mine. Brethren, the difference is obedience to the word of God. A yieldedness to the leadings and to the dealings of the spirit of God. And so we see from this verses 3 and 4, David establishing the place and the priority of the word of God in the life of Solomon for him to be established and to prosper and to achieve success. The same way God is speaking to you and I. you have to understand that outside of the word of God you are nothing and that you and I must learn to yield our desires our plans and everything to the control of the spirit of God. So we see here David giving a charge to Solomon success God's way can only be achieved by obedience to to the word of God. The next one, what number is that now? Five. Or six, it should be six. Yeah. He says, it is this, you and I must trust people to work out the solutions. See, God will cause us to see from what we are to give a charge. But he expects that we must let people, after we have admonished, we have charged and everything, we must be willing to trust them to make the right decisions and to work out the way for it. You can't help all the time. Remember the story about the Papua that is coming out to become a, a lover that wants to come out to become a butterfly. Some people trying to help saw the struggle and removed it and it could never fly. Not knowing that the struggle to come out is what will give strength and fluid into the wings for them to be able to fly. He told Solomon. He did not prescribe for Solomon. Brethren, we have to be careful that we do not always prescribe. There's a place for prescription, but there are also situations where we must let Having equipped people, having given them admonition, having advice, you have to let them work out their own decisions. We see that here. David said, you, let's look at it, verses 6 and 9. He said, do not, do therefore according to your wisdom, but don't let this happen. In other words, you have heard what the issues are. I trust you to work out. In verse 9, he says, You are a wise man. And you know what you ought to do unto him. He didn't prescribe. Because he understood that God's wisdom for strategy is different. God cannot be sovereign. You can't contain him in one place. If he walks this way today, that doesn't mean that's the way he walks tomorrow. He knew how he had walked with him as David. But he knew that they were entering into a new era with Solomon. And therefore, he must trust that all that he had taught him, all the that he had given him, he will be able to work in it to apply the right strategy for wisdom to establish his kingdom. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. The reality is that we must learn to hand over to God after we have admonished the people that God has put us. On. We must avoid too much control. For too much control can frustrate the plans of God. David constrained himself. You see, he had seen so many things. He had his own ideas of how he felt that the guy should go about it. But he constrained himself not to give any prescriptions, but that I have given you a broad framework. You will work out this. I've given you a broad framework. The but on the tactical level to achieve that strategy, I leave to you. I have given you the goal. I have given you the objective. I trust you to work out the tactical and strategic objective to achieve it. God is telling us that we have to learn how to work and how to deal with those that we have charged over. We have to learn the constraint of God. So many times we run ahead of God. We have heard the word of God and we know and we feel we have an idea of how it work. We need to learn how to step back and to be constrained. David had learned the constraint of God. Through the dealings of God with him over the years, and he could trust, was willing to take God at his word. Brethren, the word of God is for our learning. It's so that we don't make the mistakes that those who are gone ahead of us have made. Why do you think God put everything about everybody's life is there? The good, the bad, the ugly, and even the worst. is that you and I will learn how not to, and what to avoid. He doesn't want us to go through those. He's saying that the experiences of those people should be enough for us to learn from so that we don't make the same mistakes. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. So, we and I must be willing to be constrained and not to walk in too much control. For too much control can frustrate the plans of God. You and I must learn that once our responsibility is to admonish, to teach the word, to guide and to lead people to the truth. At the end of the day, people must be allowed to make their decisions. And I always tell people, if the God of the whole earth will stand at the door of your heart and say, I'm knocking, how much more man? There are places where we must do our own and encourage and form. And there are sometimes when people are still children in the Lord, we must constrain and we must prescribe. But at some point in time, you have to understand that you can't change anybody; only the Lord can change. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. The next one was that is that you and I we must never forget an adversary or an enemy who does not change. An adversary or an enemy who does not change. You see, David had, lived, verses 5, 8, and 9. In 5, he talked about Joab. He talked about the things that Joab had done. In the easy-to-read version, he had, there's a word that was added that says, I ought to have dealt with him then. He knew that he ought to have taken some steps, but he, which he failed to do. But he was saying, you, make sure you do it. The reason is that, brethren, you have to know who your adversary is. You have to know who you address. And the reality is that some people do change. But there are people who don't change because they are too set in their ways. When you are dealing and you are hoping that you will be able to change somebody, only God can change. Your responsibility is to know the nature of the person and to know how to work with them. To understand that it's not them, it's a spirit. And to know how the spirit of the world works. That is what David did here. David ensured that Solomon knew what he ought to be doing. I would caught my hand before. Can I have tissue? Um, yes. Can I have, can I have um, a, what do you call it? No, no, not tissue. Don't worry, I'll just, I'll continue with this. Just let me have a plaster. I'll take it after. I'd cut my hand before coming and I removed the plaster because it was dry, but moving my hands, I opened it up again. Now, he says, it says that never forget an enemy or an adversary who does not change. Over the years, David had worked with Joab. Joab had been with him in many battles, but he had seen the nature of Joab. At the point, he told, he said, What am I going to do with you, sons of Zariah? You are always causing me trouble. He knew that. Joab killed Abner and the other Manamasa in cold blood. But because Joab was instrumental and was being with him, he didn't do anything about it. But he knew that he ought not to have allowed that to continue. Thank you. He ought not to have allowed that to continue. And he ought to have dealt with it. But he understood that he could not allow his son to leave those people as they were. Because he knew that without his dealing with them, he could not be established. And what is the relevance of that for us as Christians is that we have to learn discernment and not to easily make emotional decisions. Some enemies don't change. Brethren, you and I need to be very sensitive To know the implications of certain actions that we take. In second Samuel, you see the story of um, Joab's dealing with Abner in second Samuel 327 and with Amasa in 2010. You will see that he did not change over the years. Even when David said, don't kill Absalom. It was Joab that killed Absalom. And so he knew that these people, they are old, they are established, they are generals, if they do not, if they are not caged, they will not let Solomon enter into the fullness of that which God has ordained for him. As Christians, God wants us to forgive. But God doesn't want us to be complacent. So many of us in the corporate world, in our businesses, even in our dealings, we misconstrue the teachings of Christ. The Bible says we must rightly divide the word of truth. Brethren, there's a right dividing. The Lord will help us in the name of Jesus. Next is that discernment is important. To be able to see through an enemy's rapprochement that is not sincere. may. When David was going away, he abused him. He threw stones at him. Somebody said they wanted to kill him. He said, no, don't kill him. When they had now overcome Absalom and he was coming back, the first person that went to meet him was Shimei. Brethren, be careful of false rapprochement. It is to lull you into complacency. David, because he came to meet him, David said, okay, leave him. But he knew that this man was still a threat and that nature, that spirit that prompted him to ridicule him was still there. And the judgment and the punishment for that kind of behavior, it was treason. It was death. That was why the, one of the soldiers that was with David said, let me fall on him once. But David said, no, leave him. Well, we see that from another angle. In other words, please, brethren, don't be taken in false rapprochement. Somebody who has been your antagonist and everything. God will give you dominion but don't be taken in when they come and they are not sincere. That's where discernment is key. Next one is that prudence is necessary to foresee the possible issues that stand in the future and to take steps to guard against them. What is this? David knew that for as long as these people that he had charged Solomon he says for as long as they remain in their authority and their comfort zone, there is no way that Solomon could be established. And so, he knowing the implications, having learned from his mistakes of not dealing with those things he knew that to leave this boy with these people he says it will be a problem. So, he charged him and he told him about each person. This one, this is how he is. You must deal with him. This one, this is how he is. You must deal with him. This one, this is how he is. Because he knew that if the boy failed to do that, it could not be established. And we all know the things that he did. So, while you get on, you will read the whole of chapter 2 and we'll be ready for tomorrow. Next one is that leaders have a responsibility to guide and to admonish those that are coming behind. David admonished Solomon. He gave him a charge. He admonished him. He told him the people he needed to deal with, he knew what he had to do. Brethren, the same thing Moses did with Joshua. Brethren, you and I From the benefit of our experience, we owe a responsibility to guide, to admonish those who are under our charge. Next one is that you and I must learn to respect experience. Experience counts. Solomon heeded the admonition of David. He didn't say because I am now the king, no, 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 no. One of the challenges that we have today as Christians is that we think we know. So many of us, we are coming up, God is blessing us, we think, oh, we are wiser than those who are ahead. The Yoruba have a proverb that, in other words, no matter how much new clothes a young man has, he can't have as much rags as the older people. That is experience. You need to learn from it. And in the Bible, we see what happened. Solomon had a son, his name was Rehoboth. He was the one to continue the kingdom. The kingdom was still one. And they told him to take over. And the people came and said, under your father, there was so much taxation. Can you make the burden light? And he asked the man who had been with his father, Solomon. And they said, yes. Talk to them gently. Encourage them and they will serve you. And then he called his friends. Hey, guys, what's up, man? What do you think I should do with this? And he said, oh, don't mind all those 40 old people. No, 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 no. We need to show them that you are... You see, they want to take advice because they're a young man. You need to show them that you have authority and you can stand for yourself. Tell them that if my father did small, I will show you plenty so that they will respect you. And he did the same. We know the rest of the story. The kingdom was divided. Ten tribes to Israel, one left for him. But for the mercy of God and the word of God that I said, you will always leave a remnant. That will have been the end. We must learn to respect experience. The last one for tonight is that you must remember those who have been good to you. In verse seven, he said, "But show kindness th- to the sons of Basilei the Gileadite, and let them of those that eat at thy table, let them be of those that eat at thy table. For so they came to me when I fled because of Absalom, your brother." Brethren, let me tell you. One of the reasons why a lot of us have not been able to enter into the fullness that God has for us is because we fail to remember those who helped us on our way up. We take for granted the support of and the Bible is, says, "Woe to him that requites evil for good." So many people have forgotten the days of small beginnings. They have been raised up and they have forgotten where they are coming from. God is saying, don't. Those who are good to you on your way up, never forget them. And so he says, Bazelai, when I was running away, he and his family, they supported me. Let them always be at your table. The place of eating at the king's table was a place of favor. He says, this man was good to me. I am going away. You must remember to keep him. And so, tonight, we've looked at this initial Issues. And I want us to understand in closing that there is a benefit, and there is a work of wisdom that God wants you and I to enter into. Solomon understood the benefit of wisdom, and so he asked God for wisdom, and we saw the result in his life and industry that we are reading. You and I must not tire to ask for the wisdom of God, to know how to deal in every situation that will come our way. We cannot afford to be emotional. We must learn to make godly decisions. We must learn to walk with God. We must walk not in complacency. We need the discernment of God. We need the wisdom of God and the prudence of God to be able to weigh the implications. The Bible says the children of Isaac were men that had an understanding of the times and knew what Israel ought to to be doing. God is calling us to come up higher. We Christians are easily defeated and we are easily manipulated because we lack the wisdom, we lack the strategy to deal with the enemy. Yet, the enemy is always strategic. Never forget those who have been good to you. And so, this is where we'll stop for tonight. tomorrow, we'll be looking at Solomon and Donija. And my prayer is that, as you see, let me tell you, nobody has a monopoly of wisdom. And I am working on this. This is something that I'm teaching, I'm learning too. And I want us all to learn together. You to read. God will be giving you insight in the situation that you need to deal with as you to read. And my, I believe my own purpose is just to stir us up, to begin to open our eyes to see this, and then God will begin to walk in each place, so that all of us will enter into that place that the Lord asks for us. This we ask in the name of Jesus. And this is where I'll close tonight. Tomorrow morning, we'll look at Solomon and the Niger. The Lord bless you. Thank you for your time. It's been a privilege.